This encounter with Jesus is found in the book of Mark and chapter 10 and verse 17 to 22. I'm going to read from uh, Mark chapter 10 verse 17 to 22. Uh, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud and honour your mother and father. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Uh, so, so as I said, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful encounter with Jesus for, for us to read the story and be able to learn from it. Not so much for the man who, that, who met Jesus because uh, we read that he went away uh, sad. Right, we're just going to have a short introduction to this uh, passage now and then we're going to stop and uh, sing another song, uh, have a memory verse uh, and then we'll continue. So uh, yeah, we're going to have an introduction and I'm going to show you something uh, to begin with. I know it was, was it three weeks ago today when it was Christmas and um, three weeks ago today many presents were opened, uh, many gifts were were given and received and, and a lot of um, gifts and presents that were opened from, from some of these younger ones were probably presents that were the cutting edge of technology. Uh, the most modern thing out there. Well, I, I brought something uh, so modern that you might not have ever seen it before. This is the, the cutting edge of technology. Um, let, let, let me get it. Now, prepare yourselves, everyone. You you might not have seen anything like this uh, ever before. (laughs) That that didn't go to plan. Here we are. This is the the goodometer. Should have stuck out better. (laughs) All the technical parts are falling to pieces. I don't know if if any of you... I don't know if you can all see that. Uh, This is a, a goodometer. And... What we're going to do today is uh, we're going to think about what it means to be good and what it means to be uh, good enough uh, to get accepted into God's uh, family. This goodometer measures and calculates on a scale of goodness. So as you see at the top here is is very good. At the bottom is, is not good at all. And in the middle, this is the line that is good enough. Right, so, so I'm going to show you some uh, pictures and then I, I want you to help me and decide whether these people or these things are, are good or not good and whether they are good enough or, or not good enough. Right, first picture please, Kirsty. If it comes... Okay. Does anyone know what that is? Who, who that is, rather? It's Superman. Let me just get me a bit of string through there. I was going to tie it up to something. Yeah, that's Superman. And, and can anyone tell me, do you think Superman is a, is a good person? Is he a goodie or is he a baddie? 
Is he good? Is he not good? Is he good enough? We're getting a th- thumbs up. Margaret, Margaret thinks Superman is, is good. Right, let me tie this on and then we'll carry on. Okay, we could have the next picture actually, please, Kirsty. Does anyone know who that is? Shout, shout out if, if you know. Does anyone know who, who, who they are? Naomi knows. Do you know Naomi? Who is it? Paw Patrol, yeah. And, right, let me, let me put this here. I'm having a nightmare with this technology. Okay, so here's our arrow of goodness. Where do you think Paw Patrol might come in on the... Is Paw Patrol good? Paw Patrol, very good. Right, let's... Let's catch up with, with where we're at. Superman was first. And we thought Superman is Superman was pretty good. How, how far up would Superman go? He's certainly about there. The Paw Patrol, I think Paw Patrol is even more good than Superman, do you think? Not only are they good and they rescue people, but they're pretty cute as well. So Paw Patrol could be very good. Right, um... Yeah, there's, there's Paw Patrol. Right. Can we have the next picture, please, Kirsty? Does anyone know who that is? That's a, ooh, that's a bit scary, isn't it? Any, any, any ideas who, who that is? Yes, Rachel? The Big Bad Wolf. Uh, uh, from, do you know where it's Big Bad Wolf's from? Little Red Riding Hood. And I think... That is a giveaway that the big bad wolf is big and bad because he's wearing Granny's clothes, and and I think uh, he might have just eaten Granny. So, you know, where do you think the big bad wolf might be? There's a bit of a clue in his name. Boo! Is it down here? Somewhere about there, or even lower? Down about there. Not not good. The the wolf is not good at all. Right, we could carry on here and uh, we could spend all day doing this. I, I, uh, I had some pictures that I thought we might not show. Harry and Meghan. Um, um, we'll not go there. Ian Richardson. We'll, we'll, not, we'll not go there. The, the next, uh, there's no, that's it for the pictures. Thanks, Kirsty. They can go off. But the, the next one is something to think about ourselves. What about you? What about you? Where do you think... Looking at your own life, where do you think you would come on the goodometer, on the scale of, of good to not good? I think a lot of us think, well, well probably we're not, we're not as good as Superman because we don't save people and rescue people. We're not as good as Paw Patrol because we don't, uh, we're not cute like they are and save people and do all sorts. But I think a lot of us will think that we are good enough. Probably, I, I, think, I think many people would tend to think that we are just, just good enough. And I, and I think a lot of people in life think that they are good people. That's where we go with the big, big arrow. A lot of people think that they would come somewhere in, in the place between good and good enough. Maybe not perfect, but good enough. And the question of the Bible passage today is, is this. 
is my life good enough to be accepted by God? Is my life good enough to, to receive eternal life from God? Is my life good enough so I can make it into God's kingdom? Have I lived in a way that is good enough to be saved? And in Mark chapter 10, in the, the, the few verses that come just before the passage that Lucy read to us, we see the character of Jesus as he reaches out and, and he welcomes the helpless and unimportant people in life. So Jesus welcomes the children. He says, let the little children come to me. Jesus says that, that his kingdom is for those who co- come to him with a childlike faith. God's kingdom is for the helpless and needy people. And then straight after that, we see the um, account of, of this man who has an encounter with Jesus. And this encounter is, a, is completely different to, to the little children coming to Jesus. The little children was a picture of total dependence on God. They, they came with nothing. They had nothing to offer, nothing to bring to the table, but they simply trusted in another to supply their every need. And, and, and what a contrast that is then to this man who approaches Jesus in verse 17 that we read, a man who has everything in order in his life. Everything in his life seemed to be just right. He lives a, a very good life. Verse 22 in the passage told us that he had, he had a lot of money. He had possessions. He was really important. Everyone knew, knew that he was a good person. And surely this is the kind of person who is a certainty for making it into God's kingdom. Surely this man uh, is good enough. Surely this is the man that thought on the scale that he was somewhere right at the top. Right, I'm going to need the first couple of... Um, helpers right now if that's all right any anyone can volunteer one of them needs to be um a, a big strong person um and the other just has to be willing um so we have t- two two of the younger ones maybe would would want to, co- to come up but lewis is looking keen i think I, I lewis could be the big strong one thanks lewis is there any, anyone else want to just be uh, the, the willing volunteer, Joa. Oh, th- thanks, Joa. Right, so I've got, uh, we, we're going to kind of try to show what it looks like for, for, for this man who comes to Jesus, this man who has everything, this man who thinks he's good, what it looks like for him to try and enter God's kingdom compared to the little children. Right, so I want both of you just to hold your hands out like this. Right, thanks. Coming through the village today, everyone thought I just missed recycling day, uh, but actually these are props to try and help us show this. So the, the, the man comes to Jesus with all the things that think makes him good, good things. Thanks, Lewis, you've put your hands down, you could hold that. What, what else does he bring? Well, he, he has a load of money. He comes with money. He's a man that always tries his best. There we go, trying our best. This is a man who does good things. He goes to church. 
Right, so Lucy's just going to stay here for the rest of the service. And... This, this is what it looks like for this man to, to come to, to Jesus thinking that he's good. He thinks that he's good enough to make it into God's kingdom all by, by himself, by, by doing good things. He comes with his hands full of things and stuff in life. But, but Jesus sees what his heart is like and his heart is proud and uh, he's filled with, um, yeah, just pride that he thinks I'm good enough for God whereas the children who we didn't read about but in the, the couple of verses before this the little children came to Jesus with, with empty hands they came with empty hands nothing to bring nothing to offer but they came with empty hands and dependent hearts thanks Lewis thanks Joa I'll, I'll leave them there so we, we can still uh, see them. And the point is, when we get to this passage, we, we begin to see what Jesus teaches and what Jesus tells us is that you can't come to Jesus with arms full of everything that makes you think you are good. You can't come to Jesus with full hands and proud hearts and expect to be accepted into God's kingdom. That, that's not how it works the Bible tells us that the right way to come to Jesus is to come with empty hands and obedient hearts, dependent hearts, hearts that are willing to trust Jesus above all. So today we're going to hear about this man who, who tried to come to Jesus with, with full hands and a proud heart. And we find out that he goes away from his meeting with Jesus. He, he goes away full of sorrow. He goes away sad. Well, this passage is from Mark's Gospel, and in Mark's Gospel, Mark is telling us about the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you split the book into two parts, it would be titled something like this, Jesus Christ, who he is, and Jesus Christ, what he has done. To use the, the language of, of the Apostle Paul, this is all about Christ and him crucified. And this man in today's story is a man who misses it completely. Who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do, he, he misses it altogether. And this morning we're going to look at three ways in which this man misses it. And hopefully that helps us to see more clearly who Jesus is and what he has done. Why? So that we might be those who believe and follow him. Great, let's just pray and ask God to help us to understand his word as we look into it now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. Father, we thank you that your word shows us the truth about Jesus. And Lord, we pray that as we look at it now, you'll help us to be those who, who turn to you with empty hands and dependent hearts, realising that we can't uh, do anything uh, on our own to, to earn our way into your family, but it's only as a gift of your grace to us. So Lord, we just ask that you'll help us uh, because we, we need it. Amen. So uh, I said we're going to look at three ways uh, in which this man in the, the um, Bible reading that we read, how the man had an encounter with Jesus, three ways in which he missed it. He missed seeing who Jesus was uh, and what he'd done. And so our first point is that it was a case of mistaken identity. 
First picture, please. Um, Kirsty. <laughs> Mistaken identity. Verse 17, this, um, this man comes up to Jesus. We read, And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus has just been teaching about that the kingdom of God is to be received like a child with empty hands and dependent hearts. And now here is this man running up to Jesus and kneeling before him. And it looks like a promising start, doesn't it? And, and then notice that he calls Jesus good teacher. So Jesus had been moving around, speaking to the crowds. And Jesus had been preaching about God's kingdom and what it looks like to be part of God's family. And the conclusion that this man comes to as to who Jesus was is that he saw him only as a good teacher. He failed to recognise who Jesus truly was. Sometimes in life we... Uh, we, we think we recognise someone or something, and then as it becomes clearer, it turns out that it was a case of mistaken identity. Could we have the, first, the next picture, please? Kirsty. So, so can anyone tell me what that picture is? Um, it's, it's, quite, it's quite obvious for, for me anyway. Um, maybe that's because I've seen the picture before and seen it clearly. Any, any guesses from any of the children? What, what, what is that? Okay, we'll have the we'll have the clear picture then, Kirsty. Oh, it's oh, it's a cat, a Jerry the cat. Um, yeah, it was a. Well, I don't know. It was a case of mistaken identity. No, no one even attempted to identify the object. But but sometimes we have a case of mistaken identity. Maybe it's happened to me before. We, we're driving down the road and we meet someone and the car's driving the other way and we think it's someone and we wave to them and we go past it and it wasn't and it was someone that we've never met before uh, and what's the consequences of that happening well nothing really uh, maybe a moment of mild embarrassment but, but that's about it but failing to recognize who Jesus is has really big consequences in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So in that sentence, Mark tells us so much truth about who Jesus is. This is the good news about God's Son, Jesus, who came to be our Saviour. Jesus is the promised King and Rescuer that we so desperately need. That's what that first verse in Mark's gospel tells us. And, and that news that Jesus had come to be king and rescuer and saviour is really good news for all those who realised that they needed saving. But let me ask you a question today. Do you realise that you need a saviour? Do you realise that you need a rescuer? Maybe that's a, a strange question to ask. But I think for many people, particularly in, in our country here in England, life is so comfortable and life is so easy. And that leads to people feeling like everything in life is just as it should be. There's not many problems, not many great needs. So we might be tempted to think, why do I need a rescuer? Because everything 
is as it should be. But the Bible makes it very clear that, that everything is not as it should be. We have all sinned and done wrong in God's sight. And one day we will stand before God who is just and we'll give an account. And because we have all sinned, we will be without excuse. We, we've seen that already in, in Romans, haven't we? One day we will stand before God and we will be without excuse. And the Bible tells us also that our greatest need is for someone to step in and bring us rescue. Mark writes his gospel account to make it clear to us that Jesus is the promised king and rescuer that we desperately need. This is the wonderful truth that this rich man who came to Jesus failed to see. And it's, it's what so many people today fail to see. For those whose eyes have not yet been opened to the truth, whose eyes only see a blurry picture, like the blurry picture of the cat, they fail to, to realise that Jesus is the saviour that we need because they, they don't realise that, that we are in any danger at all. They don't realise that we need a rescuing. For many people, Jesus is only a historical figure or he's a, a good man. Or in the case of this, this rich man, Jesus is, is only a good teacher to him. So it was a case of mistaken identity. He didn't see who Jesus really was. And the mistaken identity leads to misplaced trust. The next slide, please, Kirsty. Thank you. So he says, in verse 17, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This, this is a, a good man, and in some ways, he's quite a, a remarkable man. We see that in the kind of questions that he asks. He's concerned about the important questions of life, the questions of life and death, the things of eternity. And he comes to Jesus wanting to, to know more about what he can do to be certain in his own mind that he has done enough to be good enough for God. But the main question that he's asking is, what must, what must I do? I must be able to do something myself to, to make it certain that I'm good enough for God. And firstly, Jesus responds by challenging this man about his idea of goodness. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. In a sense, he's pointing this man towards the fact that Jesus is God himself. But secondly, Jesus challenges this man to see how, how his life holds up compared to the, to, to the law of God. How his life compares to the Ten Commandments. In verse 19, Jesus says to him, You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honour your father and mother and the purpose of the law of god the purpose of the 10 commandments there would be so it would highlight the sin of the people the purpose of the law of god would be to expose people to make them aware of the sin the bible says that looking at the law of god is like looking in a mirror and being made aware that things are not as they should be 
don't know if you've ever looked to yourself in the mirror, um, looking around, I'm not sure some of you did when you came out this morning, um, but I don't know if you've ever looked in the mirror and thought to yourself, looking good, looking good. I, I, I've rarely thought that, uh, maybe some people do. I, I wonder if I could have another volunteer to come and, and help me again now, and I've brought a mirror with me this morning. And we're going to do a bit of a mirror test, like, like the law of God, when people look into that, they see that things are not as they, they should be. The purpose of a mirror is to, so people would look into the mirror and, and they would see if there is anything on their face that is not as it should be. And then hopefully they can correct that. So I wonder if someone would come up and hold the mirror and then I'll look into the mirror and then um, we... I brought some good technology, so actually the reflection of the mirror will be projected onto the screen in a moment's time. So it, would anyone like to, to hold the mirror? Would, would you hold the mirror, Margaret? Uh, to, uh, I know, I'm a bit scary looking. But Ruben will come and hold the mirror. So he'll come and hold the mirror. I'll look into it. That's uh, double magnification. And then, what, and then it'll come up on the screen. Right, here you go. So this could be scary, everyone. Oh, oh, oh dear. Uh, and, and thanks, Ruben. And, and I knew it wasn't going to be pretty, but that's uh, pretty terrifying, isn't it? See, we look in the mirror, and um, I can assure you that's not always what the reflection shows. But we look in the mirror, and it would show us if things are not as they should be. Thanks, that picture could go off, please, before any of the young ones have nightmares. But this man, when Jesus holds up the law of God and the Ten Commandments to him, and he, say, he almost says to, to this man, how does your life compare to, to the Ten Commandments? And, and, and this man compares his life to the commandments that Jesus shows, and he, and he, he thinks, well, I, I've, I've not murdered, I've not committed adultery, I've not stolen, I've not defrauded anyone. I, I've obeyed my parents. And he says, he goes, tick, 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 tick. And he says, things are looking good. Things are looking good for me. That's what this man thinks. He says, all these things I've done since my youth. But for us, we see this and we see this as self-righteousness, self-dependent pride at its most obvious. He says, I can do all that. I, I have been doing all that. We read in the Bible of uh, someone else who at one point in their life thought that way, and that's the, the Apostle Paul. And he knew, knew what that was to, to feel that, that self-righteous pride. He writes about it in Philippians chapter to 3, where he says, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul says all these things that, that he once thought held value and worth in his life, he now sees it as worthless religion. It's worth nothing because... Those things, those good things in our lives play no part in our being right with God. 
So where does Jesus go from this? Well, this man thinks that he's obeying the law. This man thinks he's good enough, but Jesus is just about to show him how far short he falls. The commandments that Jesus mentions there is the six or seven commandments, and these commandments can be summed up by the one commandment that says to love your neighbour as yourself. So when it comes to relating to people, this man has it sorted. But how does he relate to God? How does he view God? How is his relationship towards God? Verse 21. We read, Jesus looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. See, this man had replaced the empty hands and trusting in God, he'd filled those empty hands with earthly riches. His hands and his arms are bursting full of things and stuff. His heart is proud, but Jesus knows his heart. Jesus knows that this man's possessions, his money, his good things have become his God. He thought that he was living the good life. He thought that he was good enough for God because of what he had done in his life. But Jesus' words and God's law exposes him as a self-seeking idol worshipper. Things were not as they should be. So the misplaced trust that this man had in his own goodness was because of a misunderstood truth. A misunderstood truth. You see, eternal life, being saved... Being accepted into God's family is not something to be earned. It is a gift to be accepted. This man asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You must realise, we, we, all, we all know this, you, you don't do anything to receive an inheritance it's given, it's a gift. How many people over the years have, have wasted their lives slaving away, uh, working for another in the hope that they might have everything given to them, in the hope that they might earn an inheritance only for everything to be given to another? That memory verse that we learned from Ephesians chapter 2 uh, showed us that really clearly, didn't it? For by grace you have been saved through faith, this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. See, the wonderful truth of the Bible is that we are not saved by doing, but by trusting in the goodness and the grace of God. And Jesus' challenge gets right to the heart of this rich man. Jesus, Jesus holds up the law and it hits him in the face like a ton of bricks. He thought he was good, he thought he'd kept the commandments, but Jesus showed him that he'd missed the mark he didn't love God above all else. It's not about what you do, but it's about who you depend in, who you trust. Jesus says, you lack one thing, sell all that you have, give everything that you have away, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. That looks like doing something, but actually what that shows is a dependent heart. Giving away everything, selling everything, looks like coming with empty hands. It looks like completely depending on God. And this man couldn't do it because he loved his things 
more than God. But even in this man's failure, God's grace was still extended. The invitation still went out to, to come and follow me. See, at this point, Jesus is heading towards the cross. And he uses a picture of the cross to, to show us what it looks like to follow him. It looks like denying ourselves, dying to self, giving up the things that we love more than God. I wonder today, what are the things in our lives that are in danger of becoming our God? What are the things in our lives that we love above all other things? Maybe we're like this man and we, we, we love money or we, we're so driven by our career or we love our car and we have great desires to get the, the next better one. Maybe for us it's... Uh, it's our work or, or the farm or Instagram. Some of these things are not bad things, but they can pull us away from loving the Lord and fully depending on him. Maybe today, if, if you're someone who's asking the questions about following Jesus, but you find yourself still clinging on to things and stuff in, in your life, Jesus speaks into our situation. He says, you lack one thing. Give it up. Sell it. Get rid. That's the way to show complete dependence on God. Or, or maybe today we are following Jesus, but we're still tempted to turn back and grab hold of things in this world. And we're tempted to believe the lie that life is about the things that we have in life. It's about possessions. Jesus, again, speaks into our situation. He says, leave it behind. Depend fully on God uh, and it, it is hard it is a hard path to walk Jesus himself doesn't hide the fact that living the Christian life isn't easy but it, it is worth it See, what would be the point of having a whole load of things and stuff in life but yet we lose our soul and we spend eternity away from Jesus See, this man this rich man, he, he weighed up Jesus' offer against all the things that he had in life and he chose to walk away from Jesus. He was disheartened, he was sorrowful, but he chose his money, his wealth and his possessions. He couldn't give it up because he loved those things too much. Verse 21, we read again, Jesus looking at him, loved him. Jesus, Jesus loves him even in his failure to recognise who Jesus was, even in his stubbornness and rebellion, Jesus loved him. And we see something of the heart of Jesus towards the lost. Jesus doesn't say to him, how foolish could you be? Why have you not seen and understood? But he simply loved him. Jesus' heart reaches out to the lost. Jesus loves those who need a saviour. And the love of Jesus is what took him to the cross making a way so that all those who trust in him can enjoy eternal life with him. And as we read through Mark's gospel, we get a glimpse of what God's eternal kingdom will be like. So Jesus heals the sick. He casts out demons. He raises the dead back to life. In God's kingdom, there is no more sickness, no more evil, and no more death. Isn't that something wonderful to look forward to? That's the, the kind of place we all long to live in, isn't it? 
And the good news is that we are invited to be part of God's glorious kingdom because of his grace. We're all invited to enjoy eternal life with Jesus. Jesus calls us, he invites us to to come to follow him. Jesus says to us today, trust the Lord with all your heart and you will have treasure in heaven. I think the simplicity of the gospel is quite staggering. It's not about how good you are, but it's about how good God is. It's not about what you've done, but it's about what Jesus has done for us. Verse 15 of Mark chapter 10, the account of of Jesus and the, the little children, it tells us that God's kingdom is only available to those who come to Jesus with with empty hands and dependent hearts. There is no other way to enter. This man tried to enter another way and he failed miserably. What a tragedy it is when someone has an encounter with Jesus. Well, their hands are so full of the stuff of this world that they refuse to let go to accept the, the, the gift that he's given. The way of being saved, the way of entering into God's family looks like this, to turn and trust, to turn and trust in in him. If there's anyone here today that is not yet following Jesus, the call of Jesus is to turn away from your self-reliant, self-dependent striving and trust completely in the goodness of God and the forgiveness that he offers. For those who are following Keep on turning and trusting every day. In your weakness, in your failures, come to Jesus. The hymn writer puts it like this, and with this line we close. He says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. 